Welcome to the Raise Podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. We're here to raise your confidence and inspire your creativity. Each episode, we will have a different guest who will be discussing our Raise Word. The Raise Word is a word that will encourage you or empower you and at times inspire you to explore the word a little more for yourself. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a new year and to the review episode of The Ray's Podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. We are looking at the word review today and all that that means to us. You may know that we are linked to a Facebook community group, and so I asked the group what review meant for them. They said it meant looking back, finding out ways of doing things better, and enjoying some of the things that they'd already done. And so that's exactly what we're going to do in this episode today. We had 15 incredible guests, and so we're going to revisit each one of them and see what nuggets of gold they have to share with us. So grab your refreshment of choice and settle back as you prepare to have your confidence raised and your creativity inspired. Enjoy. For our very first episode of season two, we spoke to the brilliant Melody Reed about the word harmony. Melody works in community settings with lots of different age groups, running choirs and enabling people to raise their voices. The first thing that we're going to play for you today is a song that Melody wrote about the importance of empathy in mental health. This is what we do. Don't be sad, little boy, when they tell you it's over There's a sweet, simple life, you can live it if you wanna Oh, it's yours for the taking This made-up world of faking Don't you let it get you down Tomorrow's world is never found Oh, it's clear for all to see it's not all harmony You can turn it all around Gonna flip that frown Turn it upside down Can you feel it? I'm gonna make it easy for you Take a look from left to right Those pretty faces in paradise Some may not believe it They hide it away like they don't see We do. They hide it away like they don't see 
a wonderful way to start our review episode. Melody was also involved in writing a song with her children's choir. This was no ordinary song. It was a way to connect with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. It's called Hold Out Your Hand and if this message touches you, please get in touch with Melody. Her details are on the show notes of episode one. In episode two, we talked to David Nussbaum about the word hope. Now, the thing about our guests on the podcast is that not everybody knows them, but David Nussbaum has worked with some incredible people. In this particular episode, we talked about the Archbishop Desmond Tutu and how he felt about prisoners of hope. It, it certainly can, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that, um, that tradition... Well, so when I joined the elders, Kofi Annan was the, the chair, so he, he was my yeah. boss. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't do that one-minute silence at the beginning okay. of the meeting. I'm sure that when it did happen, it was when um, Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Tutu, was the chair, who yes. had been chaired before uh, Kofi Annan. Um, and uh, he had 
uh, very strong things to say about hope. Um, he, when the, the eldest was formed, they said to him, you know, well, what do we call you, you know, uh, and he said, you can call me Arch. So we, mm. we all in the eldest referred to him as just Arch. Yeah. And, and when I wrote to him, I would write, you know, dear Arch. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he would describe himself many times in interviews and uh, on, on platforms as a prisoner of hope. Yeah. And indeed, one of his sayings was, you know, I'm not an optimist. I'm a prisoner of hope. You know, optimism is very wobbly. You know, mm. uh, you sort of lock on to some assumed future event or outcome or result. And, and it can be very wobbly because then what happens if it isn't realized? What happens if something goes wrong along the way? If, if all your optimism is very rigid, very brittle, it can be very wobbly. Um, whereas he, uh, Arch Tutu, thought of himself as this prisoner of hope and always thinking about how can we expect the best? What, what good might come out of this situation that we may or may not be able to see at this moment? And I think that's a very powerful um, orientation to have particularly when times are hard, as of course they were for him through, you know, the years and indeed decades mm. uh, of uh, difficulty in South Africa at that time. Yeah. Now I have to admit, there are times when I bail on doing it completely live because it's important and I want to say the right things. So I have written this already, but I think you'll be interested in what I've written because obviously I, I had no idea what we were going to talk about. And uh, I love it when this happens because I think it fits really well. So hope springs, hope sings, hope dreams, believes, says yes. Hope waits, excited, patient, impatient. It tugs to see what's round the corner yet spends time on its knees in silence. Hope grows under the ground unseen. It pushes its roots deep into the earth before the fruit is seen. Hope has been, is, and will be. Hope is critical, crucial, loudly silent and violently peaceful. Hope is strength when the weapons no longer have any power. Hope is. There you go. Wow, well, my goodness, how that uh, captured uh, many of the themes we've talked about. In fact, um, we could condense the whole podcast to just- <laughs> Shall we just do that? I love the way that our guests really get us to think in a different way. In episode three, I spoke to Marnetta Viegas about the word relax. Marnetta founded Relax Kids and she had some amazing insights into how important it is to truly relax. But what we're going to do now is give you a real treat. This is a meditation that you can do right now or you can stop Get on to the next episode and come back to this. And of course, the brilliant thing about podcasts is you can revisit this bit time and time 
again. So whether you're choosing to relax right now or whether you're listening to this at a different time, enjoy. And just close your eyes and take a moment to be still. And taking a deep breath, breathing in through the nose. and out as slowly and as gently and as kindly as you can. Breathing in and breathing out. One more time, breathing in. and out. And just becoming aware of your toes, softening the toes and feet, calves and shins, knees, back of the legs. Softening your stomach. Feel your back elongating, letting go of all the tension in your neck and chest, arms and hands dropping, and head. Relax the tongue, mouth, cheeks, jaw, eyes, eyebrows, forehead and brain. Just relax. Being here in this moment now, feeling your feet on the floor, breathing, being, accepting this moment now, not trying to change. And in the stillness, seeing if you can find that spark of peace inside And just say to yourself, I am peaceful. I am peaceful. I am peaceful. At the Raise podcast, I always try and look at positive words. But it's so important to look at what is going on in the world today. And so in episode four, we tackle the ever increasing problem of loneliness. I talked to life coach Hannah Peckery and we talked about all kinds of ways that you could combat loneliness. This is Hannah talking about how those moments of joy can be found in the everyday. I think, you know, where I see loneliness with some of my clients now as well is that loneliness in the home 
that connections um, might have disconnected then um, at home that, you know, especially in the lockdowns, there was a lack of things to talk about. You know, we were just, we were all sitting in a place where there's nothing to do. There's nothing to talk about. Do you talk about the book that you're reading? Do you talk about the Netflix box set that you're watching what is there to talk about yet what you're going to have for dinner you know it was a standing joke between my best friend and I every morning and well what's for dinner because there wasn't much else to talk about and so for me I can see that for many people the joy in their moments of their days have still gone people are pulling that back now and finding joy in moments of meeting up with people. But there's still so much that we haven't been able to claim back. And so many people are just missing those joys. And for me, it's about finding those little moments of joy again. So making myself go out for that dog walk. And okay, I might be on my own, but how many people can I say hello to that I pass on that dog walk? Can I stop? another dog owner that my dog's having they're having a good old sniff and they're chasing the ball together can I make a conversation with that person it might be a hello how are you where do you live in the village what do you do what's a beautiful day it might be really boring British conversation but can you Mm. make that conversation again can you bring a smile onto your face and that person's face again can you find that joy in that moment and know that those couple of hours two hours whatever it is that that's that dog walk that you're taking you found joy you found um a purpose to it it wasn't lonely it wasn't lonely what joy can you find you know even now I'm speaking to you on the screen there's not a loneliness in it because we've got a joy of coming together and being together you know and then so then finding the joy in those moments and the smaller connections you can make means that those moments that you're on your own aren't quite so big and empty as they were before. Episode 5 was recorded around the time of the Queen's Jubilee and so I thought it was pertinent to talk about the word family. I spoke with Joanne Gilchrist, founder of God for Kids and Ruwak Resources. Jo's a creative writer and has written some incredible things and we talked about how you can't always choose your family. This poem reflects that really well and is great for kids. So if you've got a child nearby, get them to listen. You mentioned to me earlier, Carol, about um, being able to choose friends, but not family. And it reminded me of this poem that I wrote that was inspired um, by a situation my daughter was facing at school. It's about Susan and Annie. Susan's friend Annie told her a lie. She said she was rich and her rabbit could fly. Susan said, wow, do you want to play? Come over to my house, come over today. So Annie came over and picked on the cat. She refused to eat dinner and soaked Susan's hat. She stuck out her tongue into a tongue twister. And when Susan cried, Anne blamed Sue's sister. Susan went to show Annie the door. She said to her, no, we can't play anymore. The next day at school, Anne lied again. Susan's house smells, she said to their friends. At playtime, Susan was left all alone. Smelly Susan, they called like a loud megaphone. Annie was cross at Susan's firm snub, so she told her she couldn't join in her new club. It's the best club in school for all the cool girls. But Annie said Susan had too many curls. 
Susan was shut out and left in the cold. Susan thought, I only did as was told. Choose your friends wisely, her mother would say. Well, look where that got me, she thought with dismay. It went on for a day. It went on for a week. No one would play with her, not even speak. Susan wept, but nobody cared. Please help me, God, she cried in despair. Who loves you, who loves you most, her mother would ask. You, Dad, and Jesus, she said super fast. Then that's whose opinion matters the most. You don't have to listen to others, you boast. Then one day Annie was missing from class. And the next and the next, a whole week went past. Nobody knew where she'd been all week. But when she came back, her face looked bleak. Something quite bad must have happened at home, but Annie stayed silent and played all alone. She didn't want to join in any game. The cool club was closed. It wasn't the same. None of her old friends knew what to do, so they simply ignored her, except for our Sue. Susan felt bad for her classmates' distress and paid her a compliment on her nice dress. Annie broke down into tears and cried. Out came those feelings she held deep inside. Susan gave Annie the biggest of hugs and said, it's okay to cry, I won't judge. Annie confessed it had been a bad week. Her daddy left home while she was asleep. He'd not said goodbye except in a letter and nothing her mum said could make her feel better. So bad dreams had come at night in her bed. She felt so scared of the thoughts in her head. Please don't laugh, Annie begged Sue. If you did, I wouldn't know what to do. Let's be friends, Susan agreed. We'll start a new club, she firmly decreed. Why are you nice to me? Annie replied. I've been so mean to you. Susan just smiled. We all need a friend, especially when we feel like we'll never be happy again. I forgive you for every mean thing that you said and even for drenching the hat on my head. I know what it feels like to be all alone. So let's be friends. Will you come to my home? I've said that this episode is all about the word review and review is about changing things. However, sometimes things can't be changed and we are led to acceptance. I spoke about the word acceptance with the incredible Emma Major. Emma Major is a visually impaired artist and yet she creates all the time. I have been blown away and inspired on a daily basis by Emma's poem and artwork. Emma and I talk now about the reason for her art. We then listen to a clip about how you can accept things through art. And finally, a poem about listening to your creative self. And then when I lost my sight, almost all my sight, seven years ago, I decided to do crazy things and I took up art. I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? You lose your sight, you take up art. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when I caught COVID and didn't have the energy to do that anymore, I took up digital art and it's become everything to me. Yeah. So I pray and paint first thing in the morning. I paint if I'm feeling stressed. I paint if I'm happy. I mean, it literally is probably eight hours a day of visually creating. And it, I've found that helps me find the words for the poems when I can't find the words and vice versa. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So you're actually, yeah, you, it's like you, you paint things into being, don't you? Uh, uh, in um, On season one, episode 19, I spoke to a lady called Julie Wilkinson, who is also, she's a, a, very much a writer. And I talked about how she creates 
hope um, in her words. And it's like you create, even just before that, you create the words to then bring the hope. But through the painting, which is a, an extraordinary um, way of exploring, you know, a process and a feeling and things like that. How do you think your creativity helps you in kind of accepting where you're at or, or who you are? When I'm painting, more than when I'm writing, when I'm painting, I go into a flow state. Yeah. I think as a creative, you know what that means, but shall I yeah. explain it a little bit? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so it means everything else vanishes from my life. All I think about is the colours and the patterns. It's completely absorbing. Yeah. So all the stress and anxiety goes away. All my judgment of myself goes away. And I'm in this place of acceptance and joy. Wow. Even if I'm trying to process really quite hard emotions, I feel lifted by it. Yeah. I, it's very hard to explain. And I recommend anyone gets messy with paint and has a go. Because it's not about the outcome, it's about the process. Yes. Accepting yeah. that it might look rubbish at the end, it doesn't matter. Yes. But that it's hugely joyful to do it. So this is called Listen to Your Creative Self. I feel creative all the time, wherever I am, awake and in my dreams. Creativity heightens in nature as birdsong fills my ears and scents drift by my nose. As the light changes, my sight changes. I get even more creative. Music of every sort triggers memories, tempts me creatively. Sometimes I get messy, letting my body free beyond what I see. And then fatigue hits, so I paint digitally, finding new creativity. I am creative. It's part of me and you. Try and you'll see. It's incredibly important to me that I don't tell people what words mean. And so you'll notice that at the beginning of every episode, I always ask the guest what the word means to them. Episode seven was the word empower and I was talking to life coach and children's mental health worker, Cassie Swift. Here we talk about the word empower and what it means to Cassie. Um, I think the word, I mean, I love the word empower. I think it just gives people a voice mm -hmm. um, and it gives them a voice that is actually heard. So it's acknowledged and recognized rather than just being brushed over or sort of shushed or you know it's really stepping into the true you the true you know what it is that you want to do and being able to share your voice um, in a really positive way. How a guest talks about a word usually informs the poem at the end and this is what happened with Cassie it's a bit like a review, I guess, a review of what we've been talking about. And so this is the poem that I wrote for Cassie on the word empower. Step into your power. Look at the flowers. They do not ask. 
They do not task themselves with growing. They live simply knowing that they have the power to be. How about you? What about me? How do we grow? How do we recharge, ready to speak to people, ready to say to people, I hear you. I hear your voice. I've made a choice to take what you've said and give you the wings to fly. I love to have a giggle with my guests and goodness me, didn't I have a giggle with Dr. Rebecca William Dinsdale, episode eight, when we talked about the word resilience. We started off by talking about her naughty pup, Christie, and all of Christie's antics. So the first clip is about that. However, the second clip is something much more important. Often when we talk about the word resilience, people struggle with it. And so I asked Dr. Rebecca, what's bad about resilience? How can I put it? The Mrs. Pumphrey of puppies. If you've ever seen all creatures great and small with her dog, Tricky Woo, that is me. Okay, you might have to unpack that a bit for us later on. Oh, but there's lots to unpack. <laughs> and I think it's fair to say that Christy loves to unpack things. So oh. um, <laughs> adventures, I think, I always thought you need to do a podcast, Becca, and I think you and Christy need to do a podcast together. <laughs> She'd but, probably eat the, eat the laptop. Yeah, I, I completely believe that. Cable, cable first and then the, the rest of the machine, I would imagine. if you've seen the film Marley and Me about a very destructive Labrador that is easy in comparison to Christy right okay well listeners if you've got pets and you're listening this morning uh, yeah let's hope that they're not too destructive as you listen to the podcast this morning (laughs) but her great attribute is her utter unconditional love for everybody she is bounding with joy with every person she encounters So I will sacrifice the odd chair, (laughs) odd garments, the fireplace. I could keep going. But she sees everybody as a greatest friend she could ever have. And there's a great lesson in that. So, Becca, they say dogs are always like their owners. And we'll leave that there. (laughs) What is bad about resilience? That is a clever question. Excellent. You are a professor of questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if we're going to be able to answer them, but yes, I like asking questions. (laughs) Well, in one of my books, I have a phrase called quality questions make quality lives. Mm. And you see, most of the evidence presents itself to us. We just don't realise it's the evidence and the outcomes of our actions and intentions. Wow. Can you say say that again? Say that again, please. Yes. Before we write the before we buy the book so that we can then highlight it (laughs) lovely yeah say it again please well I I I work mainly one-to-one yeah uh, as a coach and a counsellor but people come to me with situations and what normally happens is we find coping strategies to manage them that's what it comes down to yeah now the evidence of our our behavior is in our lives you know if we've cleaned our teeth enough our teeth will be in a reasonable state So the evidence is the state of the teeth, the action is the cleaning of them, and the intention is to do it as often as you need to. Okay. So 
I think about what does, I tried to be an academic for a long time. And one of the great questions of academia is what does the evidence tell us? And most of us spend our time looking for what our feelings tell us. And I always tell my clients, our feelings are not facts. They're like birds that fly around in us. What we need is the rocks of the evidence. So the evidence of our lives is just around us, you know, the outcomes. And then if we backtrack that to our actions, how did we participate in this? And then quite frankly, what was our intention in it? So when you're managing very limited energy, you have to examine your intention much more because you have less energy to spend. So if I'm doing something because I know it's the right thing to do, I know it's wise, I know it will be demanding, and I know there'll be goodness at the end, God willing, I'm clear. If I'm doing something because somebody's pressuring me, somebody's not behaving very well, somebody has already behaved in a disappointing way, then I push and it's not wise and I don't have wise enough boundaries, there's an outcome there of, of what happened. And I spent a lot of years saying yes to things that I really was not well enough to do. I had no ability to say no. I had no ability to actually really look after myself. And what I teach a lot of my people now, which is amazingly ironic, is kind boundaries that are not brutal to anybody. They're not barbarous, but they allow the light in them to shine ever brighter. Thank you for listening to the Raise podcast. We hope you feel raised and inspired by this episode. Whilst we're not offering face-to-face classes currently, we are doing online singing lessons where you can have your voice raised as well as your confidence. If you would like to find out more, please visit our website at www.raiseforall.com or find us on social media on either our Facebook or Instagram page. Take care. I said at the top of the podcast that this was about the word review and I wonder how many of you have noticed the differences between season one and season two. The main difference for me was that season one we had a final thought from Seb Barwick at the end of every episode. Now full transparency, even though we don't need it, Seb Barwick is my son and he's reached the ripe old age of nine and I was thrilled when he asked to be a podcast guest. In these three clips, Seb and I talk about music, about being in a team, and the bit that Seb was really looking forward to, the poem. So playing the piano. So, because we talked about playing as in gaming, and we'll come back to that, but you can play an instrument. Do you play any instruments? Um, I, like, not very often. I sometimes play cornet, um... Sometimes not not really play piano. Yeah. Not, not very not very many. Um, we are actually learning how to play xylophone at school currently. Now, I listeners, I <laughs> went to hear Seb do the xylophone at school, and I don't know what your experience of xylophone is, listeners, but um, I really wasn't sure what to expect. I kind of thought we were going to have a tune just on one note, but Seb, your xylophone was. Excellent! It was so good. It was much more 
than just um, children playing one note, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it felt like Mr. Mitchell, your teacher, really let you play around yeah. with the notes. It wasn't Is that right? actually our teacher. It, it was a professional uh, xylophone teacher called Mr. G. Okay. So he had a djembe drum and yeah. we like kind of played to the beat of the djembe drum. Okay. But then he also taught Mr. Mitchell how to play the djembe drum. Oh, did he? Yeah. Ah, so can <coughs> teachers play then? Um, Do like, you think adults can play things? Yes, definitely. Interesting. Yes. So, you said that you played the piano, but not very much. But actually, a few years ago, you really got into I, playing I the piano. I really did, yeah. What was one of your favourite things to play? Can you remember? I remember in the Hall of the Mountain King. Oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Not the easiest thing to play, so I know, but like it was only the bass notes. Most of it is most of it is two handed and I can't I can't do two handed. Seb one handed <laughs> is not the easiest thing to play either. <laughs> what made you want to play something like in the Hall of the Mountain King? Classical music. I just I just love it. Like I, I have a radio in my room and when I go to bed I always turn it on and it plays me classical music and I go to sleep really quickly. You and I have a little argument in the car, don't you? Because you want to play classical music and I want to play all the chart music, don't you? And so many people say, uh, isn't that the wrong way round? Shouldn't Seb want to play the... Um, the chart music, but you love classical music. I, I also do like chart music, but classical music, I, 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 think, I think classical music is top-notch for me. So when you're playing? It can be. It's not essential, Okay. but you, you can. Okay. Can you play on your own, do you think? Yes, definitely. What kind of things can you play on your own? Um... You could you could do like some warm ups in tennis. So like you could get your tennis racket, <clears throat> throw it up in the air and like try and bounce it off your racket and see how many times you can do that. Mm -hmm. And with the um, with the um, with the hockey, um, because you can play ball hockey with a ball, um, you can like, um, you could like try and shoot it in the net, do some moves. Okay. Trick shots. And gaming, do you have to be in a team for gaming? Um, no, you don't. Okay. And playing the you piano, do you have to be in a team for playing the piano? Um, no, but in some cases, yes, because if you want to, if you want to get like the full feel of a music, so say you you just listen to something on classical music, um, you could you you'd have to get like a full orchestra to get the full feel of the music, as I said with the Hungarian Rhapsody. Excellent. We now come to the part of the episode where I do a poem. Now you know I make lots and lots of different poems up, um, and really, what I do is I play with words. So you know, a lot of the time. I'm just thinking about what comes into my head. So are you ready? Yes, I'm really excited for this. Okay, so just give me a minute while I have a think. Play. All day. In any way. 
game. It's not a shame if you do it on your own. You can escape into a world that you create. Play on the piano, in your mind, on a board game. Any kind of playing helps educate, ruminate, think about those things that you want to do and play. Oh, thank you. I've never had a I've had never had an applause on the on the podcast after my poem. Oh, the brilliant Seb there. The only thing closer to getting your son to do the episode is to do it yourself, and that's what I did in episode 10 when I spoke about the word brave. Now you might think what's so brave about doing the podcast. You seem to prattle away every single episode, but I'm telling you, it's very different when you're doing it all by yourself. I took the opportunity to share some of my poems and I really enjoyed doing that. And this particular poem I'm going to share fits in beautifully with the word review. It's a poem that I wrote about second chances and I wrote it in the first lockdown. Have a listen and maybe take just one of those things to review and change in your life. Poems, and I've written poems and songs for a long, long time. I think the first time I wrote a poem was when I was about five. It wasn't very good, and I'm not going to share it, I'm afraid. But I found that poetry really helped me to understand how I was feeling. When I was little, and things were going wrong in my family, I used to go to the park and I used to sit on the swings and write songs. It just made me feel a little bit safe. I didn't know that I was being brave, but I knew that I was learning things that were going to make me brave. What do you have that makes you brave? I'm sure there are things that maybe you can identify straight away that help you to feel brave, and maybe there are things that you haven't realised yet. One of the times that I wrote poems was when I first had COVID. I mean, the thing about COVID was it wasn't just me, was it? It was everybody. And it's still going on. How did you feel through that first time? The thing was that although I was feeling unwell, I actually felt in a very safe space. I kind of liked the fact that I didn't have to go out. Now, you know that I love people and I love talking to people. But sometimes just not having to do anything really creates a safety. I wasn't feeling that I needed to be brave. But I knew that there was a time when I was going to need to be brave again. And it really got me thinking about what I could do while I had that space to just be. This poem's come out of that. See what you think. Second chance. If you've bought a lot of things, now's the time to share. Sending memes of being kind, now's the time to care. Got a lot of papers, now's the time, go through them. Made a list of undone tasks, now's the time to do them. Sorries to say, broken dreams, Now's the time to mend them. Words that should have been sent before, now's the time to send them. Thought you couldn't live without it, 
Now's the time to try. Just don't know that much about it? Now's the time. Ask why. Got a chance to heal the world. Now's the time to heal it. Never felt much love before? Now's the time to feel it. Always stood in the darkness. Now's your time to dance. Thought it was all just a little too late. Now's our second chance. You will know that the whole idea of the Raise podcast is to raise confidence and inspire creativity. And my guest for episode 11 inspired me so much creatively. Cara Jackson does all kinds of multi-sensory artwork, mainly to work with people um, who've got various different challenges, including dementia. The clip that I've included is quite an amusing one because what Cara is wanting to do is use every single sense, which is the word that we talked about on the podcast. So she wants to use taste, touch, smell, sight and of course hearing. But it doesn't always work out the way that you think it's going to. Here's Cara to talk about lion poo. Make kind of sensory adventure packs mm. that will probably include, rather than me providing things that people can taste, it will include ideas of how you could. I've, I've done like a prototype one about woodland, a woodland walk. I've done a painting of, of um, well, a kind of textured print similar to the line of, of trees. And then there's a sound um chip in it so you can hear the the leaves rustling and then and then I've I've made like a little sort of booklet that goes with it that says about like what can you what what grows in a forest that you can eat and taste and what do leaves smell like and things like that but for the lion yeah I'm not sure I do know that um that yeah both taste and smell I I did kind of do a little bit of research and apparently Lion poo is the smelliest um, substance known to man, but um, I didn't think that would be very, very appropriate. It's, it's the connecting <laughs> of it, Cara. I'm well, just yeah. not sure. Yeah, I wasn't how, sure how how I would really do how that. How you would do that, and <laughs> whether there would be many people willing to yeah. collect it on a regular basis for you. <laughs> oh yes, exactly, and it's not something I can advocate. To to people to go and go and find <laughs> wet leaves in a forest is fine but not yes not that. it was we'll with a woodland walk with smells and some tastes and the lion <laughs> can just stay although Cara and I had a good giggle she does some very important work around dementia and other organizations so please do go back and listen to episode 11 and get those nuggets of gold that we've been talking about. One of the things that I love to do on the Ray's podcast is use words that are in just everyday life that we don't really talk about. And talk was the operative word for my guest, Lucy Kate Newland, when we talked about the word talk on episode 12. I have to be honest that reviewing this particular episode was so difficult. I could have chosen so many different clips, but the two that I've chosen are the importance of listening and not just talking. And also what happens when you choose to listen to someone that maybe other people don't listen to. Came and said, my mum 
has tried to hurt herself, but I made her talk to someone. Uh, since it was after he'd spoken to me, um, my mum tried to hurt herself, but I made her get help because I came to talk to you. And I never think I'm anything special. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a mental health professional or anything like that. I'm just a person who makes time for other people. And um, making that day for everyone will always be one of my most valued um, days in my professional life. Absolutely, I'll always say that. I've got a big achievements, but that's the day professionally that I'll always be immensely proud of. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I asked you to do this podcast and one of the first things you said was, I'm not an expert. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't think you realise how much an expert you are, oh. really. The number of people that lives that you touch just by being Lucy Kate and just flipping getting on with it (laughs) is is immense and actually if mental health isn't about normal everyday people saying I need to talk or I need to listen we're screwed to be quite honest yeah that is what mental health is about it's either I need to talk or I need to listen and if we can do that um and um you know those those listening you know we always set a challenge and it's it's simply that if you need to talk to someone um then identify somebody that you trust and go and talk to them and if you know that you need to listen to someone regardless of how much responsibility it might give you how it might mean you can't watch your favorite television program you you get on with it you you listen to someone best times that brought me joy was not so much talking but singing on the train um just after dame vera lynn had passed away there was a gentleman who was homeless and he sat with me on the train and i'd just done the evening shift so it was about half past nine maybe and he said oh we were meant to sing we'll meet again weren't we at nine o'clock everyone was meant to do it and i forgot let's do it now then (laughs) and um (laughs) we did (laughs) we sang it (laughs) and then he started swearing and i was like i'm not gonna sing or talk to you ever again if you're gonna swear at me like that and it wasn't at me it was just that um the line keeps smiling through he said that's that's all i've got i've literally got a smile to keep me through the day and i said well that's all you need sometimes if you've got that smile that smile can give someone else joy um, and hopefully they'll see that you need some support and just through talking will give you um, a smile as well. And then he's like, oh, yeah, OK, can we start the song again? So we just... <laughs> <laughs> That is <laughs> brilliant. And <laughs> um, the moments like that really give me joy when they're unexpected conversations. Again, I just want to pick up on that because... Yeah. You say it like it's all very normal. Oh, okay. Several people, if if a homeless person came to sit next to them, wouldn't know what to do and would yeah. probably move. Um, okay. The yeah. fact that you're then talking to them and then singing with them. And then when he started swearing and that was something that, um, you know, you didn't like for, for yeah. obvious reasons, particularly if it felt a little bit intimidating, you then continued to talk to him at that yeah. point you know there are several different things that you could have done you could have lamped him you could have <laughs> phoned the police you could have just walked off uh, and you stopped singing 
talked to him, explained that you didn't like the swearing, probably gave him hope for the next 10 years, <laughs> and then sang again. That is not to be underestimated in any way. Yeah. It's not what normal life dictates that we do, but oh my goodness, it's what we should do. Yeah. So I I describe it that I live in a Disney world where <laughs> I'm cheerful, I sing, I talk to the birds and the bees and everything. And I know that nobody that that's not normal for people to do that. I know that I'm often considered a bit of a weirdo on the trains and stuff when I sing along to my music and whatever. But that's what makes me happy because I I know that I will be I've been to the depths of depression and I don't want to go back there. How inspiring was that story? Do take time to go back to episode 12 and listen to it fully. There is so much important stuff in there. Just going back slightly to episode 12, Lucy Kate did talk about a character called Anxiety Girl and that leads me beautifully into episode 13 where I talked about the word villain with Gareth Angel Thompson who just happens to be a wrestler. In these two clips, Gareth and I talk about what villain means and the importance of the role of a villain in our lives. So the word villain, um, I think, is, is an interesting word that to me brings up so many ideas and concepts. Yeah. Um, I see villain as a storytelling device, as a anchor in the world to help us identify not just what villains are but what heroes are too because i think you have to have both villains and heroes as the same coin just two different sides yeah and so when i think of villains i almost automatically think of heroes but i know a good hero has a good villain um, yeah. so i i kind of that's what comes to mind and that's what the word means to me is as a storyteller i definitely need to have villains for the heroes to overcome and as a professional wrestler and what I've been doing over the past 10 years as both a hero and a villain at times is understanding, well, what makes a villain? How does the world perceive villainous acts and what we do? And then how do you then flip the coin and overcome that as a hero? And how does that all work together? So the word villain actually quite excites me. Villain narrative that we seem to tell quite a lot because it's, it's a narrative that we as humans have, have followed throughout our history the, mm. the good versus evil story goes goes way back to the beginning of time um so we always have this hero villain narrative and sometimes you need you need a good villain to create the best heroes if you look across film and media you know you could look at uh, neo in the matrix and mr anderson without yeah. mr anderson to overcome neo is just a guy who who could be the one it's actually neo who who when he, when he encounters mr anderson and mr anderson essentially kills him that mm. he then becomes neo so he has to, you know the, the villain has to exist to spur the hero on so that's what i that's what i absolutely love about it and and i've played villains you know i've 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 been villain in in my wrestling time um and i know full well what my role is my role is eventually to be beaten by a hero yeah. Um, and just to enjoy it while I can and, and, and enjoy riling a crowd up and, and, and getting, get, you know, upsetting little children. Um, and and <laughs> old granny's trying to hit me with handbags. Like that, that's, 
that's all part of it. And like, I, I do it in quite a silly way when I do it because, because I have like, you know, my, my faith is a big aspect of my personality and character. Yeah. But whenever I play a villain, I don't want to be the, the worst, most heinous villain in yeah. the world who does some really horrible things. You're a but villain also, with standards. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, it's more, it's more the attitude. It's like cocky and, yeah. and, and mouthy, and yeah. And, but I always, I always lose. You know, whenever I play a villain, I, I, I say, hey, look, if you're going to book me as a bad guy, I need to lose, um, yeah. Because the, the, you know, good should always overcome evil, and I believe that that it does most of the time. It's just sometimes we have to endure times of evil to then see the good come through, but it always comes through in the end. We're almost at the end of our podcast review for season two. Just two more episodes to look back on. Of these last two, we enter the world of Christmas. And I was very excited to be able to talk about one of my favourite words, sparkle. I talked with Zara Salloway, who makes beautiful sparkly jewellery and who became my lockdown addiction. The interesting thing about Zara is that she's also a children's nurse. And if children's nurses aren't known for sparkling, I don't know who is. Zara and I talk about the importance of sparkle in those children that need it most. And we finish with a poem. About, um, you know, diamonds and how, how they are carbon and they're, they're just pushed and they're pressured and they're prodded, aren't they, to make the sparkle and the more they're pushed and prodded, the more sparkle they produce. And I wonder if um, in, in that, in those situations we're talking about, that's what happens with the children. They kind of, the more pressure they're under, they're actually bringing out their, their kind of inner selves really. I would, yeah, I think that's really quite a good analogy of, of kids, especially, you know, I look after a lot of children with special needs who can't potentially, communicate in a way and say that this hurts or that hurts or yeah. feel well today and so you are kind of led by how they are reacting and that look in their eye you have to judge and I think that sparkle does tell you what's going on and whether they're in a good place or a bad place. A trail of stardust shine so very bright be the one you're made to be try to get it right bring a little hope bring a little joy bring a little sparkle and please start today so here we are on our final episode I hope that you've really enjoyed our review and that you're going to take time to go back and listen to our guests. But we're finishing with a cracker. Now, listen, I'm allowed to say that because I spoke to comedian and broadcaster Paul Carenza for episode 15, where we talked about tradition. This is a lovely long clip. Well, hey, it is Christmas after all. It is for this episode anyway. So enjoy hearing Paul and I talk about the word tradition. Think about the traditions that you have as well. And then we're going to finish, of course, with a poem. What does it mean to me? I suppose tradition to me is generally speaking seen as a good thing. Uh, quite right too. Building each year on the good stuff, keeping the good, getting rid of the bad 
and keeping what we like, I suppose, and realizing that actually uh, there's a, a benefit to a sense of ritual to it as well, I suppose, annual ritual, uh, the fact that we have certain uh, festivals, festivities that we just like doing, but often it's about doing these things together. There's a certain sense of togetherness. And uh, after the last two years of, of COVID and lockdowns and things, some of those traditions have been disrupted. And then you come back and you sort of, again, you keep the good stuff. You bring bring forward onward uh, from here the things that have worked for generations or indeed you start new ones maybe as well. So there's a sense of cl clinging to what we think is helpful, I suppose, and trying to get it right next time. Love that. Love that. Yeah. I've not really thought about it that way before, but you're right. And particularly in the in the lockdown, you're right that we were either clinging to traditions for dear life mm. or you're right, we were having to create new ones the mm. doorstep visits and those yeah. kind of things things that we wouldn't normally choose as a tradition mm. but maybe other traditions have have come out of it um what what are your kind of traditions at christmas paul what do you like doing well i i always think that I'm, i've been fascinated with with christmas for, for years now and uh i think one of the things i love about it and yet also maybe sometimes loathe about it is just how many traditions there are to do with it and yeah. you I think in a way you can't do them all you have to pick and choose and I think a lot of that Christmas anxiety we get is from thinking oh but, but I must do everything it's such a busy time I've got to do the, the Christmas shopping and the turkey and the panto and then the Christmas lights and the kids like to do this and my in-laws like to do that and so on and you can't please all the people all the time but you've got to work together as a family I think or, or friends or whoever you are and go right what matters to us and so certain things things that almost go without saying you know we have the 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 roast turkey dinner the we have um uh crackers although i've never been that bothered about crackers it's one of those things that i'm happy to let go this is not a controversial podcast yeah, well, we're gonna be having lots and lots of fights over this I, i'm instantly it's funny you say what traditions do you have i'm instantly thinking the ones that i don't really mind about which are like uh, christmas cards i'm terrible with christmas cards we, we've we, you know I, I people send them still and I'm I'm guilty of doing the email to all saying instead of Christmas cards, we thought we'd do a donation to a charity and rather more swiftly uh, wish you all well from here. But it's one of those we'll, that yeah, we'll go back to that in a minute. It's persistent, <laughs> isn't it? But no, I, but generally to answer your question and not the, not a completely different question, uh, we I do like to. I'm busy before Christmas. I do lots of comedy shows uh, before Christmas. So, but a trip to the Panto, normally a new year for us. So I think a lot of people try and do it before Christmas. We're the ones who who go when it's a bit quieter in like yeah. January the 3rd or something when they're going, please, we're still here. Come on out. Yes, and yeah. that's when I like to do a bit of that. But also last few years, we we drive around, look at the uh, the Christmas lights and the houses with the kids, normally on Christmas Eve. But that's changed. You know, go back 10, 15 years, Christmas Eve was always for me a pub visit with my friends yeah. and they still go and now I'm driving around with the kids looking at lights so uh you know things change don't they yeah and do you score the Christmas lights we when we walk we walk around sort. and we score the Christmas lights yeah. and then we put a little card through if we think they've done particularly well oh that's a nice we might do that this, this is how traditions not only evolve but they spread like they go viral don't they you see yes. so now I'm thinking that's a nice idea that's a nice nice plan I like that one yeah Come to the time of the show where you get a little breather and I get to be slightly more nervous because I always write a poem for every guest that comes on. Mm. Now, uh, normally I do these um, totally on the spot, 
but there are times when I think I really don't want to get something horribly wrong. Oh, so wow. uh, I did actually write it um, last night. Um, and it was interesting because uh, when I when I wrote it, I finished it off this morning and the, the line was traditions are all these things to me. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. I can't say that because all these things that I'm listing are not my traditions. And that's kind of the point of tradition, isn't it? So um, I'm just going to leave you with this poem and then we'll we'll kind of wrap it up so okay christmas adverts the bbc waiting for the speech at three japanese meal of kfc tradition can all these things be burritos and little donkey a moment steeped in history stories told and memories tradition can all these things be just short and sweet. Wow. And look <laughs> at that. Burritos and KFC. All, I don't know when you got a chance to do that. That's so impressive. Can I tell work. you? Can I tell That's you? That's impressive. Uh, there was one line missing. My producer won't let me live it down if I don't admit. There was one <laughs> okay. line missing and I didn't know what to put in it. So burritos and little donkey fitted in. That's lovely. Wow. Impress so. Impressively swift work. <laughs> from, and, I, and I've not even, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to go with the whole, given you are Carol, a Christmas Carol we can't go there because you've had a lifetime of that. I nearly wore my t-shirt. Same... I have a, I had a t-shirt made for me saying Christmas Carol because I bet, I bet. you have to, you have you to, do. don't you? You do. And so that's it. The end of our review. I want to take this opportunity to thank all of our guests and of course you, the listener. Thank you for every rating and every time you have shared the podcast with somebody else. We want to reach as many people as possible to keep raising confidence and inspiring creativity. Can I also thank Hannah Johnson, who produces the podcast for me? Without her, we would be nothing. And of course, this isn't goodbye. Season three is on the way. Until then, take care. <laughs>